Hi, I'm Raylene Taskowski, and I've talked to over 10,000 women about sex over the past decade. Welcome to the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast. Welcome to Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like... How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And... How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also... Why is it so hot in here? Audiences agree. It's brilliantly funny. Raylene makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. There's nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you. (laughs) You've got to see stand-up comedy sex ed. I am ready to go do that comedy show. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guests. And today's guest is Michael Whitehouse, and we will be talking all about BDSM. Hello. Thanks for having me. And let's start with what is BDSM for people who actually don't know what it is. Sure. Uh, well, first, I'll let me say this is uh, I'm on many podcasts, and many shows. This is the first one I've been on uh, discussing this topic, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun um, because I've, you know, my my, my uh, brand that most people know me as the guy who knows a guy because um, I know someone anywhere. And one thing I always say is like anyone you need to know, I probably know someone uh, and often that's in in the mundane world but but sometimes it's it's in the geek world the kink world you know i know someone everywhere and a little bit about everything um so bdsm uh it's actually it's a funny acronym uh because it stands for a couple different things but most commonly uh it's uh bondage dominance submission and masochism but the snm can be sadomasochism okay um and bd uh ds can be dominance and submission uh, and there's a couple other ways those letters can go together, but they're generally recognized as, as broadly kink lifestyle. Um, but what, what's, what really sets that community apart, I mean, in, the, in, the, in the olden days, long before uh, when I was too young to have done any of that stuff, uh, it, it was a very isolated lifestyle. It was, you know, this is a time where if somebody found out that you're into the kink world, this could like get your kids taken away and get you arrested and... Um, and you know the concept of of consensual, um, you know, consensual abuse, so to speak, wasn't recognized in law. So if someone, you know, the basic stuff, spanking and whatnot, uh, could be considered assault um, back in the old days. So that's why there's all these secret clubs and secret things and and big stigma to it. And then over the course of 40, 50 years, uh, things have evolved so that people started to figure out that like adults can have fun together and it's okay. It's okay for people to do things that they enjoy. Um, and the community's really evolved to be more of a community where, where all the, the regular taboos are gone, or not gone, but at least kind of set to the side. And you can much more honestly look at what makes people happy. You know, a lot of the concepts we have from cons- of consent uh, that has now become very mainstream started decades ago in the BDSM community. Because if you're talking about tying someone up or gagging them or, um, you know, doing any of those kinds of, of plays inhibits communication or inhibits, um, you know, in, inhibits the ability to, to resist, then you need to be, have very clear communication, very clear lines of consent. And, and you know, it, it is okay for you to do this thing, this thing, and this thing. Um, you know, it's okay for you to use, use the whip or that belt, but it's not okay for you to use, use that cheese board. Um, <laughs> And so people know in the community be like, hitting's hitting. What's the difference? But consent is hugely important in that community. And so, and then when you take that out to the 
the regular world. It's almost kind of shocking when um, if, if you've been active in the King community and then you go to the mainstream world, like, so people just, just do that. Like, how do you not talk <laughs> about it for 20 minutes first? How do you not know what's, what's okay and what's not like, that's why you negotiate. And even then there's still miscommunications, but, but that, that's really what, what it is, is it's, it's someplace where all the assumptions are gone. And so everything can be explored in depth. Uh, and in so doing, you discover everyone's into all kinds of different things. And some of those things are things we think of, you know, handcuffs and floggers and, you know, stuff that most people are probably somewhat aware of. And some people are into, if you can think of it, someone's into it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing this podcast long enough to know that no matter what you're thinking of, somebody's doing it. <laughs> They're probably doing it right now. <laughs> Possibly right now, but not right somewhere, now. somewhere in the world. Somebody has a hamster in their butt right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they do not have the hamster's permission. I can promise you that. <laughs> yes. Yep. But that is, that is funny because uh, you're right. Like the enthusiastic consent that has to go with, the BDS commute, BDSM community is just mm-hmm. now reaching regular yep. people. And also I talked to somebody who's uh, in the polyamorous lifestyle. And mm-hmm. again, it's all communication. Everybody is communicating, which seems weird that in the off brand areas of the world, they're doing things right. Uh-huh. Not off brand is not what I meant, but in the, in the fringes of society, mm-hmm people are doing things correctly yep and in regular society we're all just making assumptions and getting in trouble yeah well and and they have to uh, especially the bdsm world because consent was hugely important both because it's it's a good thing to do and because if somebody if if there's a consent issue again back in the 60s 70s 80s before you know when this was not legal if somebody had a bad experience if if they if they felt like they're consent was violated, their rights were violated, and they went to the police, it would be, it would be a big deal. And uh, it would mess everything up a whole lot because, you know, they could tell the police where the dungeon was. They could right. uh, identify people and name names. Uh, and, and the thing that is, you know, back in the old days, and now still today, actually, it's just not as much of a stigma, but it's one of those things where you would discover people you never would have expected, upstanding citizens, <laughs> were going down to these, these dungeons. One thing that, that uh, is interesting is oftentimes people go to the kink world to find what they can't find in real life. And same, same thing you do in any, any kind of hobby. Right. Uh, you know, my, my job is boring, so I jump out of planes. Um, so yeah, I need to get the excitement there. Um, but so sometimes you often find the people who are dominant in the kink world are submissive outside or vice versa. People who are dominant in the real world want to be submissive. And, you know, you, you hear jokes about it. Sometimes you see it on like, um, you know, law and order and whatnot. You hear about this, this big shot financial guy is going to see a dominatrix and ha ha ha, isn't it funny picture him crawling around in the ground or whatever. But if your every decision could mean millions of dollars and jobs and companies going out of business, the, the concept that somebody's going to tell you every what to do all the way down to when to take your right foot step and your left foot step is pretty appealing. Right. It could and, be freeing. I'm, I could yep. see that. And, and the interesting thing is because it's sexual it gives you permission to explore these areas. Cause you know, if, if you're, um, you know, especially you know, a hyper-masculine man and you're in control of everything and, and like, that's exhausting. It's exhausting to be totally in control all the time, but you can't be like, so I'm always in control and I I'm tired from that. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you might not be able to get a massage um, because that's not very manly. You can't go to right. a spa. That's not very manly. You can't go to a therapist. That's not very manly. 
but I'm going to have a dominatrix put a leash on me, put a mask on me and tell me what to do. Well, it's a hot girl doing it. So that's very manly. It's a sex thing. It's okay. Um, and so I've known, known people who they're, um, the, when you look at what they're getting out of it, it's, it's often not sexual. It's because it can be, it, it's almost like because it's kink, now they have an excuse to do the thing they really want to do. Um, you see that with, uh, I, I say it with uh, pe- people I've known who have been to Littles play, which is basically pretending to be a child. Oh, right. And, you know, you think about adulting, you know, look at social media, just look up the word adulting, do a Google search for it and see the posts about it. It's basically being an adult sucks, being a kid was awesome. Right. <laughs> so Littles play is pretending to be a kid. And, and so then people think it's gross because like, oh my God, you're pretending to be a kid, it's pedophilia. Well, it's not. It's pretending to be a kid and using kink as an excuse to do it. So it's not just, I can't handle adulting. I want to be a baby again. It's, it's yeah. I can't handle adulting. I want to be a baby again, but, but it's a sex thing. So people are like, oh, it's a sex thing. Okay, whatever. So you're just yeah. kinky. Yeah, it's just a kink thing. Cool. I get it. So do you think, and we had like a little minor short conversation about this. Did Fifty Shades of Grey hurt the kink community or open it up to a bunch of people who didn't know they would be interested in that? Or both? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, well, so, so most, most of the, I can't say most, I, I, I was Many. involved some time ago. I know, know some people, I, I haven't done an exhaustive survey of the entire community around the world, around the country. Um, but many of the environments where it takes place tend to be controlled. So it's a particular club, particular organization. Um, so there's not so much of an issue of the masses flooding in uh, as there was when things like the geek community became more mainstream. Um, so, you know, like uh, geek, geekery, uh, gaming geekery, Dungeon Dragons, those kind of things in the 80s, 90s a bit was kind of a, a cloistered community. And so they had a certain culture. Uh, the internet was like that in the 80s and 90s. Um, and then the masses came in. And, you know, in, in the, the there, there's a term in the internet world uh, called the eternal September. Because what would happen in the, this is the 70s and 80s, was that you had all these, these they were geeky, but erudite geeky, you know, talking about mm. geeky, high-minded topics. And there were certain ways that you behaved on the internet, things you did and did not do. And then in September, a new crowd of college students would come in and get access to the internet boards for the first time. <laughs> and September is an awful month. And then you kind of brought people into line uh, and got them under control. And then by October, November, it settled down again and you were back to your regular culture. And then I believe it was 1996 is the year they, they T2. But you can actually search for this, the concept of the eternal September. Uh, and and there, there's, there's a website where you can find the date in, um, in that year. And it's basically September 10,142, 1996. Um, basically, the marking of the date when the internet stopped being what it was because the masses flooded in and destroyed the culture. Hmm. Um, so, and again, same thing happened to some degree with the geek world when Star Wars went mainstream and Avengers and all that, you know, in the Lord 80s. The rings. Yeah. Yeah, you know, 80s, 90s, geeks were, were very marginalized, but that meant they could build their own culture. Nowadays, Comic-Cons get 100,000 people. Right. Which is not because there's a lot of hardcore geeks, because a lot of people are like, oh, geek's pretty cool. Uh, kink is not the kind of world where, the, ma- where the, the mainstream crowd can actually crowd into their culture. Right. Um, th- there, is, there is certainly uh, an issue of 
people coming in who don't understand things will go to some of the, the web-based platforms and communities and whatnot that require some degree of policing. And unfortunately, female members of the community tend to be the um, bear the brunt of that one as men who are like, hey, I'm going to go find some easy girls over here. Mm. And, you know, the unsolicited dick pics and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at least there's a culture where as much as possible, obviously private messaging, you can't police. But there's a culture most impossible where most people have a concept of consent and have a concept of respect and um, and openness. And so I, I think it has opened up a lot of people to the idea of kink such that if it, if it comes out, um, you know, if this podcast was in the 80s, I don't know how this podcast would be in the 80s. Let's imagine if this is a radio show in the 80s, <laughs> I would not have gone on it. Because um, right. although I'm not, you know, actively very intensely in the community at all just talking about it um would have potentially been damaging to my brand and my business whereas now i think people will at least i'm hoping <laughs> people who uh, well, he will, really like, does know somebody in everybody every community. yeah be like, wow, he really <laughs> is the guy who knows a guy everywhere um but they'll be like oh that's i mean, I, I fear the worst reaction is going to be like huh that's interesting all right cool the worst one will be like he has sex <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever wants to think of anybody else having sex That's unless true. they really want to. Yeah. But. Unless they with them. Um, but yeah. So, so there, there's that too. And of course, you know, I don't, I just uh, research it and talk about people and have discussions. Perfect. Um, so, so don't worry about that. Right. Um, but it's, it's the same thing with me and the toys. Yeah. Those aren't mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I simply, it's a scientific occupation. You, you've done research on them and, right. and you understand the principles of them. The reality uh, so, is, and most people know this is that I don't use toys very frequently but i will give you information that other people said because also i don't want you ever picturing me using your toy that makes like, a lot of sense yeah i don't i don't want to be in that conversation with you so mm -hmm. you know i'll say many people find this or find this and but i'm pretty open about what i do and do not like and it's just because you know my adhd is such that if it lights up vibrates or makes noise it's dead to me <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I have I, a cat sleep in the bedroom because if it starts purring in the middle of the night or licking or whatever, I'm like, <laughs> get it out. Yep. Well, and I, I just have to gather information too. Like I, I love to make right. connections, contacts, gather information, which means I know, um, I know, a, I, I know a, enough about um, things like women's sex toys, women's uh, anatomy, menstrual issues, whatnot, to definitely pass myself off as a woman on the internet if I wanted to. Um, oh, all right. And and I've. I have had one or two times, uh, more than one or two times, where I've been talking to a woman and explained something about her body to her that she didn't know, not in a mansplaining way, but right. <laughs> or she'd be like, yeah, I don't know how's that. Like, oh, didn't you know? Here's, here's a resource for you. Go to this website. Right. Here's information. Didn't know that. Um, well, that's helpful. Yeah, because our culture doesn't, doesn't people don't educate anyone about anything gross. Um, that's my job. Yeah, but again, and, and part of that's from, from my time in, in the scene is everything's very open. And, and has to be. Um, but yeah, so, so in terms of what Fifty Shades did, so f in the community, uh, Fifty Shades is one of those like, oh. Uh, and, and the biggest concern of someone's like, I read all the Fifty Shades of Grey books and now I know what to do. No, 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 you don't. No. Um, those books are awful with consent. They, okay. have, they have movie style consent. Right. You know, think about what's, what's uh, romantic in the movie where the music swells and the man looks the woman in the eye and the woman looks And buys her an Audi. And, and he grabs her around the waist and kisses her. Um, or worse yet, 
which is where she says, no, no, I couldn't possibly. And he says, yes, you know, you really want it. Oh, how did you know? And, you know, has his way with her, um, which, you know, it, it, if it is a matter, because that, that does actually happen. Um, well, and, and not for nothing, that is the fault of every romantic book in, in all of the universe. And also because we do that. Yeah. And it's because we've been taught to be ashamed of wanting sex or wanting mm-hmm. a relationship. So we say no. And even when we don't mean no, and then no means yep. no, and yes means no, and no means, and now, I mean, it's got to come back to enthusiastic consent now. There yep. can't, becomes, we, terribly complicated. women have got to be more, you know, really very specific, you know, like, not mm-hmm. this moment. Or, or just say, I don't know, talk me into it. Like, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. How about we have a conversation, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, but that's, all the romance novels are like that. Every romance novel written all the way up until probably two, three years ago is always, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy pursues the girl. She says, no, he grabs her, he kisses her. She leans into the kiss. It's a deepening kiss. And oh my God, that was, all... and it's sexy as fuck to read. Yep. But then later on, if that same thing happens to you, then, you know, then you're like, wait, did I give consent? Did I not give consent? Did I enjoy it? Did I not enjoy it? Just mm-hmm. fucking learn to say what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and that is also a concept of, um, so at, at kink events, there's, there's usually a dungeon safe word, um, which is basically a generic safe word that you don't have to negotiate it. Anyone can say it at any time and everyone knows what it means. Is it um, Pineapple. Yeah, but it's usually red, actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's yellow and red. Yellow means, like, stop that. Red means stop scene. And most places, if you shout red, everyone knows what it means. Even if it hasn't been discussed, it's not a dungeon right. safe word there. People know red means stop. Um, so the, the interesting thing that creates when everyone understands the idea of a universal safe word is, is in that situation. You know, let's say you're on that, like, he thinks she's saying no, but means yes and not really sure. And then he goes ahead and does it. And she goes, red. People are in the culture be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought you. And it's like, no, I understand. Right. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit of like you should have asked first. Um, but generally, you know, say the safe word, respect the safe word. That's okay. And, and just having that culture, that's one of the challenges we have right now. We don't have an accepted communications protocol. So unless you're explicitly saying, um, you know, I am going to put my arm around your shoulder. Is that okay? Yes, that is okay. Okay, now I'm going to kiss you. Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. It, it's enthusiastic consent to this as much as uh, bureaucracy can ever be enthusiastically consentful. Because um, it really is, you, you want to say like, hey, could you fill out this form and check off what's acceptable? Right. But then it takes the romance and the, it, it, I don't want sex to be like that for me. I yeah. don't want. Like I can tell you, and I and I I don't know if I've ever said this on my show before, but in a past relationship, me and a partner were, you know, having a fight. But we, you know, we were passionately fighting about something very stupid, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he just could like, and I'm telling you, he pushed me up against the wall and kissed me silent. And to this day, it is the sexiest thing that's ever happened, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I'm not saying it too loud because, like, I don't want to upset anybody, but it was hot. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and, like, the, the biochemical thing that was occurring there is exactly what kink aims to reproduce because adrenaline puts you right. into a heightened state of arousal, you know, psychological yeah. arousal, not sexual arousal, but right. arousal's arousal. 
Um, that's why you see those scenes in movies because those are fairly the the social dynamics aren't realistic, but the the psychology is very realistic. Where you know the two characters are fighting and then they're making out. Right. Because um, that is totally totally there when you're like, wait, you're not trying to kill me. I'm not trying to kill you. All right, let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're doing something right now. Right. I this. I do wish we could get better. You know what? When I start doing my stand-up comedy sex ed shows in colleges, I'm going to just start saying it's red. Mm-hmm. It's red. Learn red. Red means stop. Red means wherever you are, stop, drop, and roll. Fucking stop. Mm-hmm. It's fire. Yep. It's done. It's over. It's the stop sign. It's the red light. There's no question. Yep. Learn it. Put it in your soul. Put it in your being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody who's in this room has heard it. Everybody can talk about it. And we'll just put that out into the world yep. that when you're playing cat and mouse, which we like to do, mm-hmm. no has lost its power because so many times we have said no, but we meant yes. Yeah. Or we meant no meant slow or no yep. meant a lot of things, but it didn't actually mean no. So we've got to switch it to, yeah. to, to red. Well, and, and the great thing about that too is, is even if, if uh, the guy has never heard of this before, if he's doing something and suddenly she says red, he's going to be like, well, what? Yeah, it'll make him like, the goat. Hmm? It's enough of a pattern break. And, and, and red doesn't necessarily mean like, stop, get out of here. Red right. just means end scene, go to normal human conversation mode. Right. Um, well, and, and then, you know, if you're in a fraternity or something, party, mm-hmm. fraternity party, and you say red and everybody else knows what red means, then even if this person with you is not, you know, is not participating in your red the people around you know that this is for real. You would yep. like it to stop. Yep. Well, and especially when you get things like alcohol involved, drugs right. or other um, things that inhibit judgment, someone might just have had a few drinks and doesn't recognize they need to stop, but you shout red. Right. And one of the, you know, one of the fraternity brothers or whatever, be like, dude, dude, stop, stop. Right. <laughs> you, you That's the rest. cold word. <laughs> yep. That's the word. You gotta say, like, dude, she's yelling red. I don't even know what that means, but it, I'm thinking stop sign. So, right, right, exactly. Yep. And I think that would be the thing that people would think. So, how does one discover that they are into kink, or how do they find? <laughs> I mean, that that they're human. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, one time I was at a party and I was uh, well. There's the pre-story is we had done a. Um, Halloween uh, party, sex toy mm-hmm. party, Halloween based, and everybody was in costume. And this one girl came dressed up as a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. And I had said to one of my friends after the party, I'm like, that was not a costume. That is absolutely something that she owns. <laughs> and she had booked a party. And so then later on, I go to her party and I'm up in the bedroom and I always put the products out, like the sale, the products that I'm going to sell in their bins and stuff but on the bed and I had something had rolled off the other side of her bed and I went to the other side and there is a full set of restraints there we're not talking the fluffy little velcro restraints Mm -hmm. but like restraint restraints and I'm like hmm so then later on she comes up and her and her friend are talking and her friend is a I don't know what did she call herself at the time um an internet model but basically Mm -hmm. she would you know perform scenes for money on on the bed and the one girl looks at the other one and goes you know we could take her (laughs) and i was like i'm done put all my stuff in and i'm just like booked it out the door (laughs) i was like i am not (laughs) however that scene has unfolded itself in you know multiple fantasies Mm -hmm. like 
Wasn't well, really it, interested, but hmm, what would have happened if I'd stayed there? Yeah. Well, and that's the is, is it, the king is more of a community than a like. So, so again, when it was something that was very high risk, then the people who got into it were the people who who needed it. You know, for whom it was a it felt like they couldn't get off if they weren't tied up or being doing impact play or whatever. Uh, as it became more acceptable, and it was no longer like you're risking your life and your livelihood to do it. Uh, it became more of a community and way of communicating because, uh, you know, it, within the, the broader kink alternative lifestyle community, it's basically a group of people who admit that people come in all different flavors, shapes, sizes, orientations, and everything else. So the, the concept of, of uh, pansexuality um, and all those kinds of things are just natural to the kink community. And it's just a matter of, instead of just being like, you're into men, yes, no, you're into women, yes, no. Um, the, the, the spectrum is so much broader. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, I was much more into the kink community. Uh, and, and often I'd see people doing things and be like, that is not my thing. That's your thing, and that's cool. And, and there, there's, a, there's a buy phrase, which is, your kink is okay. Right. Uh, which is, you know, as, as long as you're not hurting anybody, and, it's, it's, and everyone's into it, and everyone's cons consenting. Your kink is okay. So I'm not into that. I don't want to see that in some cases. I'm like, whoa, yeah, okay. You can do that over there where I can't see you. And that's great. But, but it's basically a, a, a culture of everything is possible. So, you know, there's, there's people in that broader community who are asexual. They, they don't, they are not attracted to anybody. Um, and then you get into all kinds of interesting areas. Like there are people who are straight and asexual. So they are interested in say men but not interested in having sex with them but maybe interested in doing other things with them um so there's all kinds of spaces in that but so in terms wait, of like who's wait wait wait, uh, wait i'm confused how is somebody asexual getting anything out of the kink community well so so, so a asexual means they're not interested in putting the things in the things okay and and rubbing them together um it's it's basically it's, you know, if you have two check boxes, like, are you into men? Check. Yes. No. Are you into women? Check. Yes. No. You check no in both boxes. Um, it's basically asexual. I'm not sexually attracted either, but, um, so some of the stuff in the kink world, like impact play, um, so floggers, spanking, whatever, what that does is it creates, uh, an endorphin adrenaline reaction. I don't know the full biochemistry of it, but it puts you into a certain state. Um, it's about the same state you get, uh, like long distance runners get. Uh, you okay. know how you like when you exercise and at the end of it, your muscles are sore, but you feel awesome. Sure. Let's say that's true. Yeah. But yeah you probably <laughs> friends tell you. Uh, <laughs> I ran a marathon. And the only thing I remember thinking is I can't wait to this be done forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but probably, and maybe not, but often at the end of it, you're like, that was terrible. I want to do it again. Shit, um, I did think that. Yeah. I thought that was terrible. I can beat that time. Yeah. But then I never did and I never could. Cause... Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah, you, you were high on endorphins at that point. That's like um, when you have a baby. Yep. Same. Like that's the worst thing ever. Oh, I will do this again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I have that in my, my karate training at the end of every class. Like they, they work us, they, they, they work us really hard. Uh, and then at the end of it, I'm feeling awesome. Uh, anyway, I might be sore and sweaty and feel gross and tired, but I feel awesome. And I'm ready to do it again right now. Right. Um, so any kind of, of pain will do that. Um, in fact, I did have, I've, I've, I, I've, I, I've, people talk about subspace one. I've never actually done that or experienced it myself. Um, what is it? 
subspace. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's where you basically get completely into it. But, but even just that kind of that point where, where the pain doesn't hurt, it's, it's stimulation in a different way. Um, but I did actually, uh, I experienced the, the psychological effect um, once getting a, a dental procedure. Oh. Um, and yeah, it's not something I want to do again, but they, right. they, they were doing a, uh, it was something that turned into an emergency root canal and because they couldn't properly numb it because of where it was or what was happening or whatever. Um, so it was quite painful, but the dentist I had was very good. So I knew, you know, if he says this is what we're doing and, you know, trust me, you'll be okay. I'm like, all right, I just need to get through it and had that confidence. And, um, and by the end of it, when it was over, uh, it, it was it was interesting because like colors looked brighter um, oh. because adrenaline makes you very alert. Um, so like I was hearing every sound and I was feeling like just like I could just punch through a wall. Like I felt super because this is the same chemical that that makes it so a mother can lift a car off of, off a child if, if necessary. It's that same moment that when the pain sweat goes away, yeah. like when you smack your knee so mm -hmm. hard that you sweat and you can't hear anything for a second. And then all of a sudden you could break out in a complete sweat and then you can hear and see all of the colors and you're just like, Oh, that really <laughs> I, hurt. <laughs> I can see the universe. Um, I can yeah. see and, the universe. Yeah. I am one with the universe right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that's, that's the neurology that you, that you tap into. And, and, and so, you know, when I, when I later encountered that, that, uh, uh, masochist concept, I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, I can see how that could be, um, because because you know you you can't do masochism with someone you don't trust to know what they're doing because okay. they're like inflicting pain, um, and and some of the methods aren't actually dangerous in any way. You know, floggers, unless you like intentionally hit someone in the throat, you're not gonna yeah. cause any damage. Um, and yeah, same thing with paddles. Again, if you do it the right way, with any degree of skill. But as long as you, you trust, but that's part of why attitude's good too. If someone's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smack you with a paddle now. You'd be like, okay, yeah, I guess. I think that um, would like that person much better than somebody who is aiming to hurt. <laughs> yeah, but, but as opposed to someone's like, okay, are you ready? Are you comfortable? Good, all right, do I have your consent? All right, now I'm going to use this. It's gonna feel really good, ready? All right, let's go. Yeah, you know, that kind of confident, confident dominance as opposed to the like yeah let's do this get on your knees lady um which if that's a senior setting then that's fine but if somebody just walks up to you and and says get on your knees for me then that doesn't turn you on that yeah makes you be like no. all right security i also do not like being spanked that yeah. is well i mean like a little a little smack on the bottom would probably be fine but i went to christian school uh -huh. and you know by the time you got to six demerits you got an hour detention and a spanking I got more than my fair share of spankings, and I promise you, I did not enjoy any yeah. of them. Well, again, it's psychology. Um, you know, there are, there are probably there, there are people who receive the exact same physical treatment, but they're in a mindset to receive it positively. Right. Um, and 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 so it it adapts into that same that same space. All right, um, but back to the original question: How do you find a dungeon if you're interested in 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 and how do you go in gently? Like you've never been before. Who introduces you? Who brings you to one of yeah. these things? So in 2020, you Google it um, pretty much <laughs> for finding. Now the, the challenge is that some of the, you know, they're not all the same. And so it can be kind of rough. Um, so there, there is a, a website called FetLife, um, which is the social media site for, 
for BDSM, kink community, all that. And that's something you can certainly dip a toe into the water too. You can join a group and say, hey, I'm pretty new. Um, there are social gatherings called munches. And <laughs> munches occur at, at public places. Um, you know, mall food. I mean, they're probably not occurring now. They're probably on Zoom now, but like everything else is. But when they meet again, they meet at, uh, at public places like um, food courts and restaurants and wherever. And uh, they're generally open. Relative, it's not going to be a sign to be like, munch here. But they're pretty <laughs> open. Like anyone can come. Um, so that's a place to kind of get to know people, ask questions, um, make some connections. Because, yeah, you're, you're, if you're coming in this off the street, like, this sounds interesting. What should I do? Yeah, you probably don't just want to walk into a dungeon. First off, any respectable dungeon won't let you in um, because there is a, as you can imagine, you know, dungeons tend to have scantily clad or unclad people wandering around doing sexy things. Mm -hmm. um, so there are people of a certain persuasion, let's call them men, who <laughs> will just be like, naked ladies, oh, I want to go there, who have no idea what the rules are, what the mores are, how to comport themselves. Um, so there's, there's, Somebody who's going to vet those people. Uh, yeah, or, or at the very least, somebody has to sponsor um, sponsor you or bring you in uh, to, to do that. And, and you'll still get – there's no way to really vet someone. So right. a lot of it tends to be you come in and then there's, there's procedures for if people do get out of line. Um, there's events also, uh, you know, conventions and such. Um, and so th that's another place kind of – dip a toe into it which is interesting because usually the conventions you have a range of things going on all the way from from like a vendor room which is just kind of people hanging out and buying stuff to a dungeon where stuff's actually going on two room you know on the other side of the door and so you walk through a doorway and be like whoa whoa that's that's something going on um <laughs> but it's 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 the kind of thing where where with most places you're not just going to get pulled into it if you go into it um but that said, it's, it's often good to, but it's ideally good to find someone who is knowledgeable about the scene, is involved in it to be your guide, um, especially for a uh, woman going into the scene uh, alone can be a harrowing experience. Um, and not because, again, you know, rules of consent are fairly well baked into the culture, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to be asked for your consent a lot right. if you are new and, and in a space. Um, right. Your new blood. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> men are still men and women are still women, and uh, men still tend to be more aggressive, on average, and so that that dynamic of men chasing women is, you know, it still exists in our world. It's not like there are different species of humans that were raised yeah. in Kinkland. Um, so, you know, so for for a woman now, some women who are you know very confident, very able to handle themselves in. Effectively, if you can hand yourselves in a night, like nightclub environment where people are hitting on you all the time, then a dungeon's probably going to be not quite as bad. Because at least if you say no, they will say sorry to bother you, mostly. Yeah, um, that's good. And if you say no three times loudly, then someone else will come in and be like, bro, she said no. Right. Um, so, yeah. So if, if you, I mean, I, I've, I've never really been involved in like the nightclub scene. I've heard about it and I've heard about it from a lot of my women friends and how it could be a challenging place. Um, yeah. So compared to say an office, uh, a kink scene can be, can be very intimidating compared to a nightclub. Might not be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe I did have a friend. Um, one time she had, she had written a post on Facebook about her first time going into a dungeon and the experience and 
you know, what it was like that she was led through and, you know, everybody asked her permission for anything they wanted to do. Nobody touched mm-hmm. her without permission. Um, the, the guy that she was with asked if he could bind her hands and to what degree she was comfortable being bound, bound up. And she like went through the whole thing about how it was. And it felt like it probably was a really safe experience for somebody mm-hmm. who was, you know, more sexually out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and what I say, you know, all these precautions, it's like precautions for anything else. They are for the one, two, three percent of situations. You know, 90% of dungeons that one wanders into, if you're just wandering into a dungeon at random, are probably pretty safe places full of, of pretty good people. But it only takes one to be yeah. a really bad experience and to, I mean, a really, really bad experience. So that's why you want to take those precautions. And also, the other thing is the dungeons that might try to solicit you are probably the bad ones. Oh, Potentially. Well, it, it's true of anything. You know, why are they reaching out to people? Um, right. If a dungeon has a strong, vibrant community. Now, there's, there's, now someone might say, um, you know, hey, I, I listened to your, you know, <laughs> hey, really? I, I heard your podcast. I heard you were curious. I go to this dungeon up in, you know, Boston, and I thought you might want to come with me if you want to see what it's like. Like, that's not a red flag. That's a friend saying, I heard right. you something. I'd like to share it with you. But if, um, I don't know if they're advertising on Google when you search for dungeons. Um, <laughs> at, at Beals, you know, why are they advertising? What are right. they looking for? What are they getting out of it? Um, and and, uh, and it's now to the point where some are for-profit businesses, which um, means they might be advertising because they make money off you coming in just like a nightclub does. Huh. I never uh, even thought a, about that. Yeah, how do you model. sustain? Who pays for that? Who pays for the, the dungeon and the... Usually pay admission, pay cover. All right. Yeah. And how um, much would a cover be? Um, it d- depends on the place and what their overhead is. Um, I've seen $20, $25 sometimes. And, you know, there's an event, it's convention. Um, the, the, the events are on the same, basically the same business model as a sci-fi convention. Oh, okay. So it's the same, you know, same sort of concept. You pay, you pay for the ticket. There's vendors, um, there's sponsors. It's just the, the content is different. The panels are different, but no, it's actually, and I, I think the convention, um, the King convention world, a lot of the people ran sci-fi conventions and then started to run King convention. Actually. <laughs> it's a scalable so, so there, there, business model is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, so, so, so there were some kink events back in the nineties is what I'm thinking of. Um, but the sci-fi convention world started to have more and more kink content more and more adult content. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. Again, all of that those latex costumes and hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a whole group of people who are open to new ideas and new approaching things. And to some degree with the geek community, they were excluded from the mainstream community. So they had to make it up, make it up as they went along. Right. So, so they never learned the old way of doing things. So they just made up their own way. Like, well, it doesn't make sense to, why would you only have one man and one woman? That seems like a weird arbitrary limit. Why couldn't you have more people? Um, I suppose. Yeah, so, so polyamory is very popular in the king community because, again, that attitude. Like, why two seems like an arbitrary number? Why not three or six or one or right. an alien or, you know, whatever? Um, I suppose. Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of why not, you know. For me, and there's, there's one why not. is more than enough. I'll bat huh? the rest of those away. No, thank you. <laughs> eh. Um. <laughs> But well, and and again, yeah. You know, why why not? And there's other ways to do it. Yeah, you know, there's there's other 
there's all kinds of other varieties of it too. So, so think for example, uh, talk about asexuals, how they're not interested in being involved. Now, some people are asexual because that's their orientation. Some people are asexual because they've had bad experiences. And so overlaid over their, their natural tendencies are, are you know, psychological layers. They don't want to, to do, do that, be touched this way, whatever, but they might be interested in watching other people do it, all right. which is called voyeurism. And the equivalent of that, the opposite of that is exhibitionism. If you like being watched, it's exhibitionism. Right. Um, but, you know, if you're into, yeah, you, maybe you're into something, you don't want to do it. You want to watch someone else do it. Um, and some people are really into, yeah, I think of a common one. A lot of men are into lesbians. Mainstream. Right. Well, they can't, they, they given the opportunity, I don't think they necessarily want to be a lesbian. Right. <laughs> Would be real difficult. <laughs> yep. But they'd like to watch it. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, think of it that way. And, and that's, once you're going down this mental rabbit hole of like what is possible, um, you know, you're really into lesbians, so you watch them. Okay. So that means you'd like to do it, but to do it, you'd have to become a woman. Does that make you a transgender person? Well, no, no, I like being a man. I just like watching women. Um, so, so, you know, it, you realize all kinds of different ways and just because you're into something doesn't mean you're into it. And, and, you know, that's the fantasy, the role-playing, all those aspects. There's all kinds of role-playing concepts that people are into. They, they want to pretend this, but they never want to really do it. Right. Um, you know, a, a kidnapping. So, you know, I, I, someone's into being kidnapped. They wouldn't really want to be kidnapped. Correct. That, that would not be a turn-on. Uh, as, as one person I knew uh, in the scene said uh, about the, the, the masochism, when I get a headache, I take an aspirin. It's not like I like pain. Right. You know, they okay. Like pain. Yeah. They like they like a certain kind of pain. It's not like, oh man, my head hurts. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like their pain receptors are wired in wrong. It's that they they receive it a different way, uh, and and engage with it a different way. That's probably why we all push on that one tooth that hurts. We're like, ow, ow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it does create endorphin endorphin reaction. So right. That, that so, is some of that. Have you ever uh, bumped into someone from the outside world in a dungeon that you were not expecting? Um, and you both kind of had to go, shh, this never happened. <laughs> I haven't. I, I, well, yeah, I haven't been um, terribly active in the, in the scene in the last like five or eight years. Um, one of the things though, it, when that happens is reciprocity. If I run into you in a dungeon, we're both in a dungeon. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, and, and to me, because I'm, my, my you know, I, I am who I am, you are who you are. And, and again, as I said, you know, kink isn't like, there, there's kinky people and non-kinky people. There's people who are open, there's people who aren't open about it. Everyone's right. into something. And, you know, you see that when, when some politician gets caught with, uh, yeah. with, you know. In a bathroom stall with a dude. Yeah. You know. Or, or we're, you know, a dude and a goat and a chicken and right. covered in mayonnaise and, and. And some of that, I think, with a because, hamster in his butt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, gotta get the hamsters. Um, I, I think it's because they're they're not allowed an outlet. They're not allowed to admit that. Um, right. And so they often do really dangerous things to get that thrill. And what people in the kink world are able to say, what, what do I really want? Like, okay, so so you know, maybe they're they're just extreme exhibitionism, or they're in the danger of say say public sex, for example. Mm -hmm. Dangerous if you're caught doing it. It's illegal. You could be arrested, whatnot. But but you can actually take it apart and say, what am I really into about that? Is it the danger of being arrested or is it something else? And can it be simulated? 
There you go. Um, and that's that's something else. You know, there's so there's a number of of otherwise dangerous or unacceptable fetishes that most people will recognize like that is not acceptable. I cannot do that, but I really want to, but I cannot. <laughs> How could it be simulated? How could it be, um, you know, and, and so, you know, for example, you get uh, eight, what's called age play. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone has a natural predilection that they're, they're attracted to teenagers. Now they know it's wrong. They know you should not be doing anything with a teenager. Um, they would never consider doing something with a teenager but they really like the idea. Well, what if you had a 26 year old who put her hair in ponytails and said she was a teenager and you bought into it and you pretended. And you know, if you watch TV, you'd think 26 year olds are teenagers anyway, because it's true. All the actors 90210 were were, uh, 20 somethings. Right. Um, You know, so you, you, you go with that. And so now I think it's completely normal to find young people very attractive. That's literally the point of being attractive that age is to they're kind of designed for that, yeah. To find a mate. The the fact that we are now like I mean, back a hundred years ago, at seventeen everybody was married and on their third kid. Mm -hmm. And so now we're like, Oh, those are children, we don't touch them. And I'm like, Yeah, a hundred years ago they were halfway to dead already. So you can't take the sexiest, most uh um, pheromone-induced period of a person's life, and be and just be like, that's not sexy. Fuck you, it's not sexy. My girls yeah. were sexy. The guys that they hung out with were sexy. They were sexy as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to touch them, and I wouldn't anyway because I was married. But I mean, some shit yeah. goes on a flip file. Yep, but but that's why. But that's something that kink creates is that opportunity. Um, and wait, and for the people who are grossed out by that and they're like, these kids are not sexy, you probably like old people. And I find that unattractive. <laughs> so there. <laughs> like, I'm just, you know, somebody was like, Paul Newman is so hot. I'm like, Paul Newman was, well, I mean, he was hot for a while, but then he got real old, <laughs> real fast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's all kinds of others, other um, things like that where, um, cause yeah, if you can think of it, someone's into it. True. Um, so, you know, what, what, whatever it might be. Um, cause also, and, and, as, as I said before, arousal is arousal. So those kinds of intense, intense experiences and, you know, the most intense experiences that you can get to, um, get into areas of, uh, you know, we're talking about torture, abduction, um, imprisonment, death, you know, things like that. Right. Very intense experiences, things you would never want to have that if you really had them, you would be severely traumatized. Um, but it can still be arousing. It puts you into a high psychological arousal state and it's a slight bump from psychological arousal to sexual arousal. Um, and so in the kink scene, you can safely simulate something. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand outside of kink when they're like, whoa, wait, wait, you're, you're, you're role playing, you know, terrorist torture scenes that's terrible well or you know interrogation scenes or whatever like it seems terrible because the real thing is terrible right but it's just like i mean there, there's plenty of people out there who are into who are into violent fantasies they watch action movies they play those games yeah yeah right. and, and they're seeking a, a a state of psychological arousal so you know that's okay um but some other things not and so it's, it's simply a, a safe and simulated way to seek psychological and or sexual arousal um, and doing it. And also, you know, it's, it's role-playing, which some people are like, that's weird. You're, you're pretending. 
you know, pretend stuff is, is for kids. Well, this pretend stuff ain't for kids. No. You no. kids should not be pretending like that. Um, but <laughs> I, I said a couple weeks ago, I saw something on TV and I'm like, that is disgusting. That is horrible. That is awful. I'm going to go masturbate. I'll be right back. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it. I thought to myself. I'll be in my bunk. That's awful. I would put that in the flick file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, as I said, it, King is a way of thinking of realizing everything's okay as long as you can do it safely. In a way, it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, right. and, and, you know, there's always people out there who are, they're just against, against sex. They're against. Oh, sure. There's lots of people. Feeling good. And, it's only and so, for procreation. Right. Yeah. Um, which is why we don't allow people over a certain age to get married. Because <laughs> of procreation, right? Um, there we go. Yeah. So you know they're, they're against sex as a concept, and so anything attached to it, be like, well, people shouldn't be feeling good anyway. So right. okay, and, so in this dungeon, mm-hmm. people are just out in the open doing stuff. Often, yeah, and and different dungeons have different rules. Um, often depending on the the laws of the state, because every most of the laws around this are a weird mishmash of case law and. Um, random bits of legislation that fell into place. So they work. And, and then um, recent Supreme Court case law that has that legalized a lot of things. But mm. so it becomes a weird mismatch. So for example, in Connecticut, you can't serve alcohol in a room with naked people. Really? If it's, if it's publicly accessible. It's, it's, for, it's a law for strip clubs. You can't serve alcohol in a strip club if the strippers get entirely naked. So that's why they have pasties. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I'm not sure what they define as naked. I haven't looked too much into that. But it means that in dungeons in Connecticut, they generally won't serve alcohol. But can they make it BYOB? Uh, no, no. Like the alcohol can't be available. You can't, people can't oh. be drinking. Um, which actually is pretty good for pretty good policy for dungeon anyway, because you True. really don't want to be under the influence while, while doing this kind of stuff. Um, but in, a, in Massachusetts, there was an issue. Because there was no settled law. There was, there was a case in the 90s, I believe, where a party got broken up. Uh, and the, 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 the tops were charged with assault. And the bottoms were um, sent off for psychiatric evaluation because you must be crazy if you like someone hitting you. Um, and there were some convictions that actually stuck. But it was messy case law because the reason they were arrested was that when the cops came to the door and said hey your party is too noisy they gave them attitude and the cops said all right we're just going to drag all your naked asses away in cuffs you like handcuffs let's go um and threw the book at them because basically the people of the party pissed them off um but because they were convicted it created uh created precedent so it's kind of ambiguous in massachusetts as to what the law actually is Huh. But so different different organizations respond to that different ways. Different states, um, you know, so different states have different things. Um, but you know, in in general, in these dungeons, there are people doing stuff in a room um, because also it's it's safer. This you know, is true. If, if you meet someone and and they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna tie you up and gag you and then do stuff to you," and you're like, "Cool, hope you don't kill me because I right. would suck." Um, and I really hope you don't. And I'm going to have to ask you nicely to promise not to, because that's pretty much the only guarantee I can get since I just met you today. 
Whereas <laughs> I'm going to do some stuff with you in this dungeon where there's 30 other people around, a couple of whom might be actively watching and the rest are doing their own thing, but can hear you. So you kind of have to be a little bit of an exhibitionist. A little bit. Um, but it, it also, you know, once, once you've been doing it a bit, um, then you kind of forget about whoever's around. But yeah, there. I mean, some and some people don't get into dungeon play at all because of that reason. But it is a if you want to try different things, a dungeon is a good place to do it because any given person you're with can probably only do certain things. They own certain skill sets. So you want to try something new, and, and this is why Polly and Kinko very much hand in hand, because um, of course in the monogamous uh, mainstream community, you don't. Talk to, touch, kiss, hug, fondle, anything with anyone who's not your partner. And if you do, it is a grave offense. In the kink community, it's like, well, you're into, you know, suspension, which is rope work that hangs you off the floor. You're into suspension. I don't know how to do suspension. I don't want to learn how to do suspension. I'm okay with some guy tying you up. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, rope work is one of those things where people really get into it and it's semi-quasi-sexual. Um, like there's certainly a sensuality to it, but generally with, they're called riggers, the people who hang, hang people up. Um, riggers, you know, they often kind of get off on, on the work, but they get out in the same way that like a, a painter gets off on painting mm -hmm. um, or a sculptor gets off on sculpture. I guess it's their art that they do. Their art is with ropes on people's bodies. Uh, so, you know, they really enjoy doing it. People enjoy being tied up and suspended. And... Um, so, you know, there's a lot of times there's kind of carve outs, even for monogamous couples of like, yeah, you know, we're monogamous, but if you want someone to tie you up while you're naked and hang you from an apparatus, like that's cool. Cause we don't have an apparatus and I don't want to tie you up. Right. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. What so, other kind of fun things can you find there? Cause so we've talked about impact play. We've talked about being tied up. We've, I mean, um, what are the things that are non-mainstream that you're going to find in a kink club or a, uh, a let's dungeon? See. The... So there's um, what's called medical play. Which is? Needles, um, sometimes cutting in, again, careful ways. Um, so that, that's pretty non-standard. That's pretty non-standard. You might not expect it. But, but, you know, think about needles. We're talking about trying to evoke a, um, you know, evoke an endorphin reaction. Right, okay. Needles do that pretty well without causing severe damage. Um, it's been a long time since I've been in dungeons. So. Um, and and there's and there's also like things that you do. There's things that wouldn't be acceptable in a dungeon too. So your kink is okay. Only goes so far. Okay. Um, and also in, in terms of how extreme you want to be too. There's certain things that'd be like, eh, don't put that in my dungeon, dude, for various reasons. Um, but the, yeah, most of it is it tends to be impact play, suspension, ropes. Um, some forms of, uh, you know, role-playing of different kinds. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is, is coming out, people kind of exercising almost primal fantasies. Um, so, like, the dominant who's, who's highly aggressive. Um, you know, something called thug play, which is uh, hitting, but very careful hitting. Yeah, thug play, when you watch it, you're like, that's out of control. And then if you watch very carefully, you realize there's a certain place you can hit someone that won't really hurt them. Basically any, any of the meaty parts. Right. So, you know, if you hit someone in their upper arm, it's, it's going to hurt, but not hurt them. You hit someone in the elbow, it's going to cause some damage. 
um, and hurt in a bad way. There's, there's kind of good pain and bad pain. Um, but you know, you'll, you'll see a, a, a thug play scene where, where it looks like they're, they're beating them up, but at the end of it, they're like, I am mildly sore in a pleasant way because, <laughs> you know, you, you, for example, you can hit someone in the chest, but not in the stomach. Right. Um, but only a certain part of the chest in a certain way. Uh, so, but, but a lot of that kind of gets into that primal, you know, like what you were saying, when, when it's intense and that makes it sexy, um, you know, you could, you can really simulate that sort of like fight, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, slamming someone against a wall and, and hitting them in the ways that don't cause damage, but still, cause your, your body doesn't know the difference between like you're hit and getting hurt and you're hit and not getting hurt. Your body right. knows you're getting hit. Right. Um, That's what I tell people when it comes to diet. Like, um, it's a silly thing, but this is, this is true. If you're doing keto and you're mm-hmm. trying to stay, um, uh, what's the, the fat adapted, right? You should not do any sort of um, high intensity exercise yeah. because your liver will make glucose because your body does not know whether you're running on the treadmill or running from a lion. Uh-huh. It's just like, fuck, we got to get out of here emergency. and yep. emergency. And so it's at, you actually should not, if you're doing keto, do high intensity exercises because it puts your body in a fight or flight. It will make the glucose you need to get out of there. And then boom, you're not fat adapted anymore. Makes a lot so, of sense. Yeah. That makes what you just said makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right. So I'm going to, I could probably talk to you for hours, but I know we both have other lives and nobody yep, I, wants to listen to I, this. I have a class well. to go teach. Oh, all right. That's fun. I'm going to go right. teach, teach geeks to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> I have a, um, a game that I play at the end of my podcast. It's okay. from things they don't teach you in school, a crazy mix of fun facts, random trivia, and totally useless knowledge. So our weird section, sex question of the week is, what is the most common day of the week to have sex? Hmm. I'm going to say Tuesday. Nobody has ever gotten this question right. It's actually Sunday. Oh. I have any, the only thing I could think of is because after church, there's nothing left to do but laundry and start sinning again. So Yeah. yeah well, you got time to, it's not sinning if you're married. It's true. Yeah. I was going to say, it depends on what you're doing. But <laughs> well, thanks for coming on my show. Michael, how can people find you? Uh, well, then go to my website, guywhonowsaguy.com. From there, they can find my uh, totally not kinky podcasts where I talk about knowing people and building businesses and finding your opportunities. Um, although I guess it's kind of related because the kink world's all about unlimited opportunity and everything is possible. And that's really what I teach in entrepreneurship right. is, you know, throw away the assumptions and it, amazing things exist in the world for, uh, for business being able to support yourself. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at standup comedy sex ed, my website, standupcomedysexed.com, also RaylenTaskoski.com. I've set up a Facebook group just for this podcast. So you can participate in polls, ask questions and politely share an alternate point of view. And speaking of which someone asked the question about BDSM and that is why I reached out to Michael. So you can message me and I'll find somebody to talk about what we want to talk about. But generally, let us know what you think of the episodes. So search Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast on Facebook. And then please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends uh, so I can find out who some of the 600 people listening per week are. Thanks for coming, Michael. Have a great day. Appreciate your time.